I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 177 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And firstly, thank you to our Patreon supporters, without whom we would not be able to make this podcast. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll see a Linktree drop-down box that'll direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. And if not, that's fine. This content is free for everyone. But we've got something quite special coming up, not only for this episode, but for the up and coming 10 weeks or so. Because if you're a long time listener, you'll remember this time last year, we partnered with the Kensington Chelsea Art Week, where we spoke to several artists from their art trail. Well, this year, I'm glad to say we've partnered again. So this episode is in two parts. The first is a good friend to the podcast and director and founder of the Kensington Art Week, Miss Vistalia Chilton. Well, she, her team and a selected committee of experts in their field create an art trail throughout the borough of Kensington and Chelsea of free public art. And that art is as diverse as the people who live in that borough. In this intro, I'll not be mentioning any of the featured artists or their artwork because Vistalia does that perfectly herself. But the only artist I will mention is Kipling Hunt, because the conversation I have with Vistalia bleeds seamlessly into that I had with Kipling. So, without further ado, please let me introduce you to Vistalia Chilton from the Kensington Chelsea Art Week. Well, with me today, I've got Vistalia Chilton from the Kensington Chelsea Art Week. Hi, Vistalia. Hello. And you're working very hard at the moment, I'm well aware. 
Thank you, we are. <laughs> yes. Well, the Kensington and Chelsea are about to start their fifth Kensington and Chelsea Art Trail. It opens on the 18th of June. Could you tell us a bit about who you've got, where they're showing and what they're showing? Well, we've got uh, an expanded um, art trail this year. Yeah. First of all, from 80 for the rest of the summer. So it's not just Brilliant. a month, three months. Um, and we've got a couple of new locations. Um, we've had Bacon Borowski last year in Earth Court. So we've yeah. got that back again with another artist, Azara Amoy who's doing an amazing installation based on local artists. In fact, she's doing a portrait Excellent. mural based on local people who have been contributing to the cultural fabric oh, superb. in the area. Um, and then where Zara again will be popping up um, on Exhibition Road. And this is a first for us. We did have um, James Kappa there with his uh, enormous uh, sculpture that was actually navigated like a robot on the street and that yeah. was up for the Great Exhibition Road Festival Brilliant. Um, and the Great Exhibition Road Festival is actually happening this weekend on the 18th to the oh, 19th wow. and we're launching Azara's piece right there and it's going to be the biggest installation that we've ever produced it's, um, across the whole of the street and it's going to be there until November. So it's quite a big deal for us to be able to put something there for such a long period of time. Oh, can you imagine? But, but also, such a huge piece. And <laughs> How big is it? Well, it goes up the whole street. So it's in sections. There are 45 sections. So it's a wow. massive feat to get that done. Each one of those sections is unique and has been designed with the principle of colour and the spectrum. And the spectrum, you may be aware of the spectrum of neurodiversity. Yeah. So um, Azara uses the, the concept of neurodiversity as, as a being on the spectrum to create a spectrum of color. So each of the installations has its own color tone and each one is dedicated to a person who's put, put themselves forward to stand as a trailblazer wow. neurodiversity from Exhibition Road Cultural Group, meaning Imperial College, Science Museum. Some of these guys, the stories that we've managed to pull out, actually tear-jerking stuff, because, you know, if you've got, if you are on the spectrum, as it, as it may be, yeah. sometimes people misunderstand you, and a lot of them dropped out of school, and now have become professors at Imperial. And the story Excellent. of overcoming their own sort of struggles in life, and actually quite humour, there's a lot of humour in there, really positive positive stories that have shown real resilience but also ability and that's what we're celebrating with this artwork it's called kaleidoscopic minds brilliant and uh yeah really good really really proud of this one um and hopefully it will create this beautiful rainbow effect on the street so when nice. you get it from uh south or the north you'll be able to see this gorgeous kaleidoscopic color um, and and towers of um, dedicated to people who have come forward to support neurodiversity or the conversation about it. So that's our, our first one. We've also we've also got sculptures going in in Sloan Street, which is again a new location for us. Um, we're working with an artist who submitted um, an idea for our open call. His name is Roman Locati. Brilliant. And we're looking at icons of fashion that have emerged from Chelsea. And, you know, we can look at the punk era, yeah. we can look at the Chelsea pensioners. So there's going to be some little tongue-in-cheek 
sculptures relating to that, six of them dotted around the area. Um, we've got Kipling Hunt, who just interviewed, I'm aware of. Um, she was also an artist that put forward an, an application for the open call and was loved by the art committee. And this is going to go on a new site as well. Um, these are panels created of fresh flowers from her studio that she's grown herself. And the artwork is called Homegrown. Brilliant. And she was homegrown around the Kensington Memorial Park in North Kensington. There's a beautiful story. She was adopted and raised and she is, a, you know, another success has overcome trials and tribulations of life. Wanted to give something back to the community for a very, very kind of overused, derelict, almost derelict shed um, to dress it up with these gorgeous wooden panels with fresh cut flowers to say thank you and to create a positive um, outcome from, I, I suppose, the healing powers of art, her painting to create some kind of a healing process and she wants to pass that on to other people and that's just the tip of the iceberg there's there's many more um we've got of course holland park is our usual location we've got an artwork they're going into there again a fresh new work that's never been exhibited before um by konstantin benkovich we've got richard mcness talking about um sort of the sustainability angle of disregarded or maybe disrespected objects such as rubbish you know yeah. that we throw away empty packets but it's, it's taken real genius to make some of the packaging that we've got so he's taking a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek response to how we approach single-use objects and how easily we throw them away but it's, in essence we really should take care of that and so he's created almost a monumental piece of rubbish <laughs> which looks gorgeous <laughs> by the way I can't believe how beautiful it is and it will be going on High Street Kensington. I'm really impressed with that piece because it's going to look really unusual. As you walk down the street, you think, what is this doing here? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping people are going to sit on it and enjoy it. It's definitely an interactive piece. And how many artists have you got this year? Oh, my goodness. I think we've got a few more because we've got lots of artists being featured in yeah. artworks. I think we're looking at about 15 or more artists wow. taking part this year in terms of public art trail and which is great it's real it's a real privilege and honor to bring in so many creative minds and everyone has co contributed something new to the projects um a lot of the art is actually being made specifically for the art trail Brilliant. not reused not coming from the studios most of the artworks are brand new, completely fresh, never seen before. So I'm very proud. In terms of production, it's a complete nightmare because, of course, our life <laughs> would, would be so much easier if we had everything ready-made. We just put them on the streets. And people really need to understand that pretty much everything we're putting out this year yeah. is, is made to order, brand new, which means the money is going towards the artist. That means it's going directly to the source. It's not going to some kind of rich gallery that's renting, yeah. renting this to us so you know we're going straight there and we're enabling some of the artists have never had public art pieces before so we're enabling their professional development and hopefully Brilliant. they'll become the next Damien Hirst or better um as a result and make loads of sales hopefully for themselves. yeah it's a win-win for everyone isn't it yeah definitely with it being on an art trail some people are a bit nervous about going into a into an art gallery. The four white walls do intimidate some people. And an art trail is perfect for that because it's your own environment that you can walk through, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, and I suppose it's sort of this kind of popular concept of placemaking. It's become a bit more uh, commonplace to say that word, which I'm not a massive fan of because yeah. the place is already made. You don't make it. It's just about sort of highlighting or giving freedom to some expressions. Um, in essence, um, the art trail tries to re-engage with the area yeah. and um, maybe it tries to question what the area has been used for or the streets been used for re-energize the spot for example we've got charlotte corbett going to um, north kensington she's got a beautiful piece that she's made as a result of the pandemic um about the white cells that protect you from the internal mm. your internal army um so she's dedicated a piece to that so sort of this invisible force that looks after you so gentle nourishment um and that's going in bramley road and i think that space is such a good spot for sculpture it's got a circular presence um but a pavement area which is designed almost like a flint space so millions of people walk past that street um, and that will become suddenly uh an, an exhibition spot so i'm hoping people are going to be a little bit surprised and energized and um and made happy as a result of their daily commute and i've spoken to one of your artists lise boussaire yeah. And she is showing in a beautiful spot in Brompton Cemetery, isn't she, in the chapel? Oh, yeah, that's going to be so beautiful. Yeah, she's um, a Royal Society of Sculptors artist. Um, again, it submitted her idea to us through an open call. We love the Royal Society of Sculptors, such a great institution. Um, and also the Chelsea Arts Club as well. They've got over a thousand artists who have a membership there. And they also um, applied as well. And yeah, so Lise is, um, is very big on sustainability. She is collecting unwanted objects, which are straws, mm. um, who have which, has, which is an object has become, become um, affiliated with sustainability because of the first thing that we started banning as a single-use plastic. Yeah. So she's so carefully and, and, um, and considerably is, is, is collecting these unwanted straws from various people and organizations and reusing them for the purpose of creating this fragile installation called the roller coaster and that's going to be almost like sort of a spider's web is going to be installed inside the chapel um, and of course the chapel is used for um uh, for sort of used as a um a memorial it's also a, used for services so um, it is a, a place of contemplation and rest and reflection. I've so been to a few exhibitions at the chapel there. Yes, yeah. it's a beautiful space. It's a beautiful space. So we need to make sure that we respect the, the usage of the space, but also, you know, enjoy that gorgeous building, which is yeah. absolutely worth popping into and having a look. It officially opens on 23rd and she's going to be there at the chapel every day, interacting and giving talks and tours. Um, so yeah, she'll be there and that ends on the 3rd of July, which are the dates for the art weeks. We have an annual art week, which runs from 23rd of June to, 20, uh, to the 3rd of July, Marple <laughs> there, um, where we've got 150 venues taking part every year. And mm, the right, program yeah. is quite intense. We've got um, over 180 events happening across the whole of 
Kensington and Chelsea, people essentially opening up their doors to arts and culture, and that includes restaurants and bars. Um, you just have to go on our website. It's all launching on the 18th of June, so you can go on our website from the 18th of June to see the full programme. That should be quite fun. So and it's literally what... art for everyone, by everyone. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And you've got the art bus as well, Vistalia. And we've got, we've brought it back after two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourite things, to be honest. It's run by the Galleries Association, which is the Muse Gallery and Studio in North yeah. Kensington. I mean, they're probably the heroes of North Kent for the arts community. And uh, Portobello Radio, woohoo! Who, who, of course, was supposed to do the, the bus for us um, the first weekend of Art Week. But it's Glastonbury, and of course, Portobello Radio is going to be present in Glastonbury. And we don't want oh, to compete super. with that. Um, so we're bringing them back on the 2nd of July, which is the second weekend of Art Week. Um, and on Saturday, the uh, art bus will take you from North Kensington, just outside Graphic Gallery. You, you sort of gather there at 12 yeah. o'clock, and it will take you all around the art trail. It's a four-hour bus wow. journey, but How it's cool. hop on, hop off, so you can get off and then find the bus a bit later on. It's a really good speedy way to hop on it and maybe get from A to Z and then jump off and see something else. You don't have to do the whole four hour journey. I've got to admit, I've usually taken the whole four hours because you've got music, you've got Pierce um, on the Portobello radio actually DJing on the bus. The oh, thing, brilliant. The whole thing is filled with reggae tunes. Brilliant. Fantastic DJing, fantastic commentary. Tells you about the local um you know underground gossip um it's so good to see the whole borough from the top of a red uh, red double decker bus with that kind of environment that kind of buzz it's it's absolutely br brilliant way to see the whole art trail without becoming really tired <laughs> oh it doesn't get much better than that does it yeah it's brilliant but it does take four hours so you just kind of like bring your own picnic and sit on the bus and enjoy it excellent really it goes across the whole trail so you will see every single piece of artwork and I know you've got Gavin Turk this year as well, haven't you? Well, we've got to say Gavin Turk is um, taking part in the art trail, but it was um, a piece that was commissioned by Coronet Theatre. So yeah. they are they should get all the credit for all the hard work and all the work that they've put in to put it on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Coronet Theatre um, magically created this really beautiful installation on their rooftop of the building. And uh, Gavin Turk has dressed us to Joshua Reynolds, um, is standing on top of the roof and painting the world, painting the, the, the world that you see of Notting Hill Gate. So um, the coronet have created a wonderful tour um, of the building that they've renovated. And you will be able to go on the rooftop, I believe, um, to see the sculpture close up. It's going to be a very, very rare opportunity to do it um, that way. And I really recommend signing up. And I think that there might be some kind of cost involved in terms of refreshments or bar bookings but um again this will be on our website you can book directly and just go at your own um in your own time yeah there will be other um installations to see so for example maya samba who is also our advisory board member has created an outstanding installation called the quilt patch an outdoor flag um uh quilt installation which is across is spread across the whole of the Chelsea theatre theater, um, piazza so it's outdoors you can see it anytime you want it's 24 hours open 24 hours and that is um, a collaboration with the world world zen estate residents who have sewn their own quilts and created their own versions of 
what ha- what what drives happiness in your own life. So it's a very positive installation. When I saw what she was doing, and I've I've read just a little a little snippet about it. It really is like the community coming together, isn't it? You know, and literally a patchwork of the community. Yes, it's amazing. It's so impressive. And there's also another story that I might, if you don't mind me telling you, but um, we've also also got another artist um, who I've absolutely always wanted to work with, Sakari Douglas-Camp. She was on our art committee last year selecting the artists who would get through for the open call uh, for the public art trail. And this year we were very lucky to have her to submit an artwork herself. And I don't know if you're aware, but for the two years, the carnival has been suspended because of the COVID um, situation. Um, The pandemic stopped it from happening. It was just too much risk. Um, So it's coming back this year, woohoo. And Sakari has created an artwork specifically for us. Um, It's gonna be going outside of the design museum. It's called Homage to the Carnival. It's an artwork of two steel sculptures that are standing on a carnival float. So we've got, instead of a plinth, it's a carnival float. Super. Um, don't ask me how I managed to get that. <laughs> We've got railings going in. Um, so yeah, it's been a real honour to work with Sakari. She's made them completely from scratch. These three metre towering figures, which are con- based on the carnival theme. Um, and this story is a bit strange. It gives me goose pimples because when we're selected... Um, Sakari for that space we went over to to see the design museum and and just basically mark out where the sculptures are going to go so she had a visual um, reference point and um, we were chatting with the design museum team and none of us knew but Sakari suddenly said oh this is exactly the spot where my sculpture used to stand when this was the commonwealth (laughs) and we went hold on, you had a sculpture here at the Design Museum when it was the Commonwealth Institute. And she said it was commissioned by the Commonwealth Institute. It was a sculpture that stood there for almost 20 years <laughs> by Sakari. So she's coming back. We've, we've got her back to come back to the, to the same spot. So that was a, a, a revelation to me, but oh, it also cool. made me think that Maybe her sculpture always belonged there. It shouldn't have been moved in the first place. Yeah, it was destined to be there, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Super. What a wonderful coincidence. Really happy about that. We're collaborating with the Czech Centre, which is an amazing institution in Nottingham. I, I know, it's strange, right? But they are doing some incredible, incredible shows. Um, we've always been in touch with them. They've got a brutalist building in Notting Hill Gate. Um, they've got some sculpture outside it already um, and they've got a gallery which is extraordinary this year they are installing David Bourne and Jiri Franta um, on the railings so it's going to be an artwork going on the railings um, in, in front of the Czech embassy so not to be missed it should be really really interesting one more person I have to credit as well um, and that's uh, Bolanli Tajudin she is our advisory board member, but also a curator. And this year we've been successful in getting some funding from the Untold Stories Fund, which is the fund that the mayor of London um, has launched to basically tell the untold stories, the forgotten stories. And we are working with Virungi Kawuya and Bukani Chizidzu to create a Black Lives Matter mural. We always have that in mm-hmm. our Preston Road location. Um, this will not be ready in the early part of the art trail. It's going to be ready towards um, August. 
and we're, we're doing some workshops about black women specifically or women of color and rest and I find as a working mom myself that I very rarely have time to rest <laughs> and that was exactly Balandi's point and sometimes we just really really sometimes we have to really work very hard but so Balandi wants to maybe talk about that experience as a working mom but also concentrate on how women rest and what is their Maybe we don't rest enough, or maybe we do rest, or how we, how we rest. Is it music? Is it uh, hanging out? Is it a glass of wine? Or is it a conversation? Is it, um, you know, producing something? Or... So Bolani is working with the two artists to create three workshops um, in which we will develop the idea of rest. Um, and then we will create three um, designs, which will then go to public votes in July, most likely. And then there'll be lots of uh, available moments to read on about it, find out about it. We'll, we'll obviously publicize it as much as possible. And then we'll hope people will vote for their favorite design. And that design will be Brilliant. recreated on Freston Road for everyone to see and enjoy. Excellent. How cool is that? Should be really good. How can anyone find out about the Kensington Chelsea Art Trail, be it social media or website? Well, it's quite easy. We've abbreviated Kensington Chelsea Art Trail and Art Week into four letters, K-C-A-W. And so our social media handles are K-C-A-W London. And that goes across Twitter and Facebook and everything else and Instagram. And the website is kcaw.co.uk. So that's pretty much it. We've got the map. Um, as well, map.kcaw.co.uk. But I think you can find that all online or on, yeah. or on our Instagram, which is, again, KCAW London. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, once again, the Ministry of Arts podcast is partnering with Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. And we're going to be speaking to each of the featured artists. Well, to kick off that series of episodes is going to be one that you was talking about earlier, Vestalia. Please let me introduce you to Kipling Hunt. Yeah, exactly. And sort of, I mean, especially sort of around Grenfell and around all that, I mean, it's really, it's completely sort of two different types of people, 100%. But I think that's what makes it a more interesting place to live in, really. Yeah. You know, rather than it all being like the uber posh and uber wealthy and all that kind of thing it's not like that at all really it's it's, it's never really been like that you know yeah. but yeah i was born in holland road so yeah and then i came back years later when i was a bit older yeah right um, kipling yeah i ask each guest several questions the first okay. being how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, a lot of my work um, revolves around playing with nature and environment and animals as well. So um, more recently, I've been working about plants and vegetation and that kind of thing. I create it in um, a painting or it manifests that way or it, it comes in ceramic. But to be honest, most of it is concept based. The concept comes first, and then the artwork comes second. So it's not like I always do the same thing. Yeah. So it's normally a response to something. So for instance, with the work at the moment, that was like a response in part to the pandemic and in part to um, people with mental health problems and um, people suffering, not being able to um, interact with each other and stuff like yeah. that. So it's kind of like... Um, a way of trying to create even optimistic images that people would feel calmed by. Sort of yeah, thing. brilliant. It's not a straightforward process, but it's it's normally concept based. Yeah, so good. That, that's normally where it starts. Yeah. And did you have art in the home growing up? My mom um, had taught art like years before, but um, but she worked in fashion. That's an incredibly artistic environment to of work course. in. Um, but she was a journalist, so she, she was a writer, really, rather than a, yeah. a drawer. But for me, it was always something, it wasn't something that I questioned, it was just something I always wanted to do. Good. Was you one of them girls who was just constantly drawing with a crayon or a pencil in your hand? Yeah, or I was always building something. I, oh, I, brilliant. Because I, I, I studied sculpture, so I was always, like, you know, with a hammer in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you was a pleasure to live with, wasn't you? Yeah. <laughs> When she's sitting there trying to do her work from home. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> <best>. yeah. <laughs> when was it you realised you wanted to be an artist? I mean, how did your art journey start from picking was, up that hammer? It was, it was quite, it was quite convoluted really, to be honest, because like, I didn't have a huge amount of money. I wanted to do it, but because I, I, I always knew in the back of, well, I always felt like in the back of my mind at the time that, um, it wasn't a profession that really made an awful lot of money you yeah. know you were always going to be poor that was kind of like the overriding you know prospect yeah and um and as a result i decided to go to university first and i did history and economics because i thought i needed to make money you know yeah. a normal person but the thing is it's like by the time i got to my early 20s i realized that like life is short anyway so you've got to you've got to actually do what your passion is yeah so um so I worked in television for a while and then and in, then in what field in television um I worked in youth television oof television so I worked, <laughs> so I worked for Planet 24 oh yeah well okay for the big breakfast and yeah like yeah um and um and then I and then I did a stint with um uh on Sky and Channel 5, but it was all kind of oof television. But it was really creative and it was really, you know, fast paced and everything, but I still still wasn't what, you know, like I wasn't making, I wasn't making things. Yeah. I know like in, in the back of my head, it's a completely irrational thing to want to do to be an artist. I know that a hundred percent, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't get around it. So um, when I had, um, my mum died and so I, of money unfortunately you know but I got some money and so I decided that I'd go back to college and I went to Chelsea 
to do sculpture. So kind of like I didn't finish till I was in my thirties, you know. But um, but it's kind of it's kind of beautiful that your mum set you on that path. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I mean, it was it was tragic, and you know, at the same time, it's kind of like yeah, you're right. It kind of has never been talked about like that, but yeah. She changed the course of your life, hopefully for the better. I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the art world's gain is the um, oof television's loss. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah sorry so you went to uni late 20s what uni was that well I started at um, the London College of Fashion because I thought that would be you know more appropriate but then in the end I just realized oh god you know there's no point in going half-hearted yeah. so I just I just went the whole hog so I went so I did foundation at Chelsea and then um and then I got a, a place at um in the degree course and then um, I did. I did sort of like specialise in sculpture, but um, but a sculpture in in at Chelsea is not like um, you know you're kind of carving things. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Know, like, it's not it's not like that anymore. So it's like it's again it's concept based or it's um, you're using every material. You're like filming something or you're kind of doing an installation or whatever. I did a lot in ceramics. That was my my yeah. area that I was kind of most keen on. You know, so I do quite a few installations. Um, well, I'm yeah. pretty much the same as you. So my work is concept based. You know, I'm open to everything that the best medium that suits the, the concept that yeah. I've got, you know. It's what's the most impact that's going to have. You know, how are you going to like communicate something in, in the most effective way? And that's not always just repeating yourself over and over again with whatever media, the same medium. And that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Which piece that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? I've made a few pieces in ceramic that like kind of have a lot of meaning for me. There's one that I did not so long ago that's, that's kind of like two elephants, basically. And um, because I was adopted when I was like, like really young. And so the piece is called um, Separation at Birth. And obviously elephants have a really long memory. So that's kind of like between, you know, being separated from something. So that, that's quite meaningful, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah. I've done a lot of installations that um, take quite a lot of effort and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I did a flock of birds that flew around London for like several years. And they're all parrots. And they ended up on all kinds of buildings. They ended up on a squat somewhere in um, uh, central London in Mayfair, gardens and, you know, outside pubs that's kind of cool <laughs> was that a project by an organization or was that you personally no me personally I, I did it um a long time ago and then it just kind of like literally took off <laughs> because, yeah because that's ringing a few bells with me and and sometimes and the work you know becomes a little political um it's a difficult one because i you know entering into politics and having something to say can be a tricky um Place, but I'm not frightened of it. But like you know, probably a critique of certain things that go on. You know, that yeah. I'm not happy with. I used to do lots of things that kind of were a bit, um, a bit depressing. Really, some of the work was like it used to make me depressed. I did a whole project about um, extinction, extinction of animals mainly. I got all these American NRA targets, the vintage ones. Sensitive. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, you know the shooting. I know, yeah, I know that. I know the work you're talking about. Yeah. Then I painted animals and I put them bang in the center of the target. Yeah. And um, but because they were NRA pistol targets, I had to find someone with a handgun to shoot them. 
But of course, in this country, you can't have a handgun anymore after dumb But you're in South East London. You've only got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, legally. <laughs> <laughs> legally. So, and then I went on this long kind of like rigmarole to find someone. And then finally, through a connection, though, I found this guy in Holland. Because like lots of people from the gun clubs wouldn't have anything to do with an artist. You know, by definition, yeah. like, I just didn't because again, it's political. Do you know what I mean? They think you're set trying to, especially with up. the NRA as well. Did they yeah, have yeah. NRA written on them? Yeah, yeah, it's got NRA. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so they're they're obviously putting their defences up as soon as they see them, aren't they? You know? Yeah, of course, of course. Anyway, eventually, this guy very kindly like agreed to do it. So I flew over to the Netherlands and um, and then took these targets with me, all with these emblazoned with these animals on, and then we got them shot. He had this Brilliant. gun, it was like a handgun that looked like something out of James Bond. <laughs> it, it fired 16 rounds. That's not uh, a handgun. Anyway, and then I did another series of ceramics with a friend of mine who's got a farm in Luton. I did soft clay game birds, you know, like a pheasant, woodcocks, that kind of thing. And then I took them to his farm when they were soft clay and we fired them with a shotgun and nice. rifles and made these like big impressions and then I had them fired. And then, so like some of the work, you know, was stuff like that. Yeah, I quite like that sort of thing. There's a question I ask each artist as well. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Well, I'd love to be in a group show of Hogarth. That would be great. Oh, I'm with you there. <laughs> that, that would be great. Um, there's, a, there's a Swedish artist who I really like called Hilma Asklint. Yeah, she's, she's quite out there and, yeah, quite different. There's a miniaturist painter who, like, did a lot of stuff for um, engravings called uh, yeah. Thomas Hosmer Shepherd. But he was, like, an amazing miniature watercolorist. Really awesome. And I always think that watercolorists are some of the most, and have the most revered for them, because I don't know how they do it. No, it's scary, amazing. isn't it? Yeah. There's an Australian artist called Kenneth Robertson McQueen, I really like. He used to be a farmer, but he does these amazing landscapes of Australia, like up until, he died in 1960, but they're like, they just show the enormity of Australia. I don't know, I just, they're, they're really beautiful. And uh, Francis Bacon, of I'd have to say, yeah, he's I one mean, of our most popular. He's like, I mean, yeah, I did a, I did a, a forgery with a forger of his, one of his paintings, and um, it's like massive. But um, about uh, the the whole picture, the the project was about authenticity and whether it mattered or not, you know. And there are things about him that I find, you know, obviously, like most people, disturbing. He wasn't much of an optimist. <laughs> no. But, he would have enjoyed your previous project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, but um, I can't ever shake him out of my notes, that's all. Yeah. So he'd definitely be there. Is that all of them? Have I got enough? Um, that and, is five. Yeah, and, five. Go on, and what was that's the last five. one you were going to say? I was going to say 17th and 18th century engravers like some of the copper engravers yeah. are just phenomenal. I mean, the scale of these people is just mind-blowing, really, you know. And and also the things that they drew, like when they were engraving, yeah. really phenomenal. So, yeah, that would be a funny group show, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would. 
I've gone past engraving a few times and it can just stop you in your tracks, can't it? Oh yeah, no, I went to Germany once to, to, um, to go to the Rhine Falls because I saw an engraving from like a 17th century Brilliant. engraver of the Rhine Falls. And I said to my partner, you've got to go there, it's awesome. <laughs> he was like, what do you mean we're going to Germany because you've seen an engraving? I was like, yeah, we've got to go. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned working with a forger. Was he a forger or a copyist? I know he's a forger. He went to prison. Yeah. What was his name? Uh, John Myatt. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. It's like when I was at Chelsea, and um, and I was writing my thesis about authenticity and all that kind of thing, and and obviously forgery was a big part of that for me. Anyway. Yeah. I'm interested in it as well because the economics of art really interest me. What makes something great? Is it because it's just, you know, because people buy it and they're suddenly and because it's gone up in value? Yeah, yeah. Does that make it great, really? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So for me, that was a really important part of it. Anyway, he was just beginning on his like ascent after, you know, all the shit he'd had. Yeah. I don't know why he agreed to see me because I, you know, I was just a student and I went up with her and my daughter was like a baby. I got on the train and he picked me up from the station in Shropshire, like where he lived with yeah. his wife. And they were in the back of the car and with me, with like a student with my baby and Zelda and took us to his farm. And it was hilarious. Like I walked in the front door and on my left there was a Molly and on Brilliant. my right there was a Raoul Dufy. And then like a bit, there was a Giacometti and then so on and so forth. And it was like, oh, you must be kidding me. His house was like, full of them but um he was so clever this guy you know and that's why like, I had so much reverence for him well know? I know exactly what you mean about going into a forger's house I had done a one of these podcasts with a forger oh, right. David Henty on the outside of his house he's got a blue plaque okay he's got David Henty painted more Lowry's than Lowry wow. <laughs> when I went yeah. in his he had a Damien Hurst spot painting, Canaletto there, and then and, and just, it, it was just an array of artwork, millions of pounds worth of art. Yeah, yeah. I think it really helps people, you know, like, if you've had any kind of trauma, and although my trauma was like, well, I was so little, it does definitely help you to keep your brain sort of like, yeah. you have this moment where it's like, you can just kind of escape. In a way, do you know what I mean? It's like how addicts use drugs. You know, they're, they're in, a lot of the time, they're in an awful predicament and yeah. they use drugs to get out of that world for a little while. Yeah. And that's exactly the same as us with, with an artwork, isn't it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's how you deal with certain things, you know, it's, it's not a bad way of dealing with it that way. <laughs> no, it's not bad at all. I mean, you mentioned before that one of your projects was quite dark. It was positive, but it was hard to pull the positives out of it. The work you're doing at the moment is quite joyous. The paintings you've got behind you, the very large paintings. Could you tell yeah. us about that project? Yeah, well, this is part of the, um, the Kensington and Chelsea Nourish. I've done um, at the beginning of the pandemic. I was meant to be doing an exhibition with two other artists and it had to be cancelled because yeah. of lockdown. Um, but we decided um, anyway to do it, but out on the exterior of a building instead, and we called it the Healing Powers of Flowers. So here, I don't know if you can see that one. Can you see that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was one of them. 
It was like one of the original ones. Could um, you just and, describe it for people that are listening? All right, so it's um, it's basically um, uh, painted on OSB. Yeah. So um, it's like the sort of stuff that you would board up a building with. Yeah, like massive wood chip. Yeah. Yeah, that was the kind of thing. And so it was cut to size so that it would go in the front of windows Brilliant. Of, the, of a building. There, there were three of us. There was myself, another artist, Emma Fenn, and another artist, Fraser Lawson. One was a photographer, one was a ceramicist, and then I did the painting. And so we all did it premised on this healing power of flowers because we knew that everyone was having such a shit time. Um, of course. And then, so we covered this building like in all the windows. And so then we opened this exhibition up, which like London uh, radio also kind of like interviewed us and da da da. And, um, but all these people were able to come past, you know, socially distanced and all the yeah, rest of it. Yeah. We're the only people to have an exhibition in May, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so when, uh, yeah, when the world was closed down, you had an exhibition yeah. outside. Yeah, brilliant. Outside, yeah, so, you know. But the thing was, you know, it's quite inspiring, um, like doing something that's in, like, that lifts people's mood. Yeah. Um, you know, because like, you know, it's like saying yes. You know what I mean? It's like rather than saying no all the time, just say yes. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I've got a little button on my, in my studio just saying yes. And every time I press it, it says it in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite good. Do you know what I mean? These paintings stem from that originally. Are they going in their place? These ones, yeah. These ones will be the ones that will go um, in the, in, on the side of this shed where I'm... So um, the, the paintings you're talking about this time, they're done on plyboard. Yeah, these are done they're, on They're large. When I saw them online, yeah. because I couldn't get any scale, right. I thought they was possibly maybe A3, A2 possibly. And what are they? Five then, by three? Uh, well, they're, they're, more, they're, they're higher than me, so they're, they're more than two metres high. Wow. Are they on a full board? Yeah. Oh, so they're eight foot by four foot? Yeah, more than. I mean, yeah. it's, it's about, it's about um, maybe, well, it's a metre, one metre sixty, and then over two metres. Yeah, it should be. If that's a full board, it should be, <laughs> I think wow. it's 20, 24.40 by 12.20. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they come as is, but I had to, I had to slightly take off the top bit. Yeah, brilliant. Or less. Yeah. So yeah, these are done on fly because the only downside with working with OSB is it's really pitted. Yeah. So you have to kind of fill it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it's slightly smoother, um, but I still wanted the 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 grain effect of the wood um, because um, I spent a lot of time like walking, you know, during lockdown and yeah. the rest. And trees are, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a tree hugger, so yeah. <laughs> and what, what are they painted in, acrylic? Um, it's a mixture, actually. It's, um, originally, it starts in emulsion, um, but like a sort of um, a very hard-wearing emulsion. Yeah. Because um, the whole painting is painted in white first, then it goes colour. Um, uh, because it makes the colour pop a lot yeah. more. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, it's acrylic, and then um, and then it's varnished. So there's different types of varnish. So there's matte varnish on the top, and then on the bottom, it's it's a kind of a, quite an intense gloss. But it's partly because um, from where the shed is, I went there. There's a little bit of splashback, so I'm going to go 
We'll have a go once a month again, just give it a little wipe down. Yeah. <laughs> well, once you put the varnish on that ply bulb, that comes to life, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, this hasn't got varnish. That's just got um, some oil, wood oil on yeah, it. Yeah. That kind of like to help to protect it. I mean, it's, I'm guessing it's going to be there for like maybe two, possibly three months. I'm not sure. Yeah, because it finishes but, the end of August, doesn't it? The uh, Kensington and Chelsea Art Trail. Yeah, I believe so. So. And how many paintings have you got there of this size? Uh, four. So yeah, there's four of them. It, um, you can see there, and then there, and then one, one, be, one behind. Um, so yeah, it took me about six months to paint them. Brilliant. Uh, they're completely hand painted. There's no, there's no digital effects. There's no, yeah, no yeah. figurey pokery. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> it's about time and patience because, yeah. like, all the plants in the pictures, I grew, so they all grown from my garden. And um, so as a consequence, you have to wait, you know, patience. It's like, so the first one is a camellia, the red one, and that, and that like, that's always kind of blooms in winter, you know, yeah. like, it's like a bit of color. But like each time I had to wait for them to actually grow, because like, it wasn't <laughs> from a photograph, it was from life. Yeah, good. So, you know, like, it's like, I have to wait. So the last one was the trumpet lily, which is down that end. Yeah, yeah. But, and then that's kind of more spring like with the scythia and the blossom and you know all this. And there's and there's also one behind which is which is broccoli because I had this crazy broccoli plant that was growing and flowering. Brilliant. So, yeah, it's about patience because I, I think you know. Do they represent each season? Not quite. Oh, like, it's just you mentioned one um, flowering in the in the winter, and that's where I thought you was going with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I could kind of push it, but I think that I, I'm, I don't represent autumn. <laughs> yeah, not much goes on, really, does it? Well, it's all dying. That's <laughs> <laughs> not quite true, but you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you've, we've got on that extinction thing again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got, yeah, yeah. So where, where are they on show? They're on show in the Kensington Memorial Park. That's right, yeah. So they're going to be on the, um, on the sheds. So there's a shed where um, uh, they play football and they have a shed with their equipment in it. Definitely. And um, so um, when I wrote the proposal to like be part participate in it, because um, I used to live around the corner from there, so um, I just thought it'd be quite a good place to put him. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I know that area really well. Yeah. And it's, and it's quite nice to have it in part of um, Kensington and Chelsea that doesn't really get that represented. It's a little bit out of the way. <laughs> well, that's the good thing with the Kensington and Chelsea art trail is that it's obviously open for everyone. And as we mentioned before we started recording, Kensington and Chelsea is a place where the affluent and the less well-off do live cheek by jowl. Yeah. So yeah. Having, the, having the artwork all around the borough, yeah, perfect. Good for everyone. Nice. Yeah. And... Um, and I suppose I specifically wanted it so, you know, that um, in some sense, sorry, the jam jars like representations of us. It's a vessel, right? And mm. we have to look after the environment we live in. And so we're furnishing the plants with water. And I think that's a really important statement in terms of nourishment is that we have to look after things a lot better than we're doing. Hats off to you there. And I, and I suppose that's kind of what I want to say in a way is that like we really have to try a lot harder than we've been yeah. trying, you know. And I'm, I'm not saying that 
I'm great. I'm pretty rubbish as well. But I'm, you know, as, as God loves a trier. Every little helps, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> and there will be QR code there where people can take a photograph of it on their phone and then that yeah. diverts them away to, to the Kensington yeah, Charity website. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, I did an audio thing. So um, if you go there, that I, I, I specifically um, wrote something. So I'm Brilliant. not very good at off, off the cuff. But, uh, <laughs> so um, so I, I read something out. So that I think that when you go there, you can scan the QR code yeah. and then you have an audio of what the work is. Yeah, a little tour about the work itself. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and where can anyone see your work, be it online or social media? I've got an um, Instagram account. So it's Kipling underscore Hunt. And then you can go and find it there. Um, Super. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kipling, I think that's all my questions asked. Oh, thanks, Henry. Good luck at the Kensington <laughs> Chelsea Art Trail. Oh, cheers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Hello. I'm Vistalia Chilton, the director of Kensington Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The artist you've just been listening to is part of the Kensington Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The Art Trail starts on the 18th of June and ends on the 31st of August. You can find all the details on our website, kcaw.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, Thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.